Barb Campbell was elected to the Bend City Council in 2014 and re-elected in 2018. She is running for position four on the council, a two-year term to fill a vacancy created by the resignation of Councillor Rita Shekelberg. Barb has lived in, on Bend's east side since 1991. Before that, she worked as the director of a daycare center in construction and hospitality industries and as an eighth grade science teacher. She owned a downtown business here in Bend, Wabi Sabi, for a decade. This conversation is being recorded on September 24th, 2022. Barb Campbell, welcome to the Radical Songbook Podcast. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate your taking the time. So um, I think the first question I wanted to ask you is why have you decided to run for this two-year seat on the council instead of uh, another four-year term? Well, um, Michael, it has a lot to do with the business you mentioned. I My business was Wabi Sabi, and we had been downtown for a decade and had the rent had gotten unaffordable downtown and we had relocated over to the west side when the pandemic hit and my little business did not survive COVID. And that has put me in a different position just as far as my life goes. Um, I started realizing that right now I have a whole lot of freedom to do kind of whatever I want. And four years from now started to seem like a long way away. But two years, I absolutely am committed and enthusiastic about serving on council for another two years. And I also noticed that city candidate, all of the sitting councillors and all of the candidates, there won't be anybody on council with more than two years experience unless I am reelected. And I honestly started to think that my city needs someone with that institutional knowledge, that experience, just understanding, you know, what all's been happening and how did we get to the decisions where we are, I genuinely believe is a really important part in government. So, position four for me this time. Yeah, so that's, yeah, you, you provide some history that nobody else on the council provides. It's a crowded race that you're in. You're, you're, there are three other candidates running for this two-year seat. I, I, I kind of wonder, are they just kind of just figure they'll just kind of check it out and see if they like it or not. So, and none of them, to my, to my knowledge, none of them actually have any uh, past government experience. Um, one of my opponents served for two years on the city of Bend planning commission, but oh, okay. I think you're right. Beyond that, no, there's not. And even both of the candidates for mayor, would be, you know, whoever the mayor is will have had two years experience on city council. Right. So, right. you know, yeah, I'm, I really, I think we have a great council now. And I, I personally am supporting Melanie Keebler. I think Melanie would make an excellent mayor. And I think that we will be able to continue to make changes 
make policy that is good for our city and really be able to get things done. So I do want to talk to you about the issues. Uh, um, your, the, can you just talk a bit about what some of the key issues are that you uh, are focused on and what kind of solutions that you offer, what kind of new ideas that you offer? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, probably everyone is saying this this time around, Michael, is housing. In fact, two years ago, housing was probably the biggest issue for our city. We at the city are making, have made tremendous strides building deed-restricted affordable housing. And that means traditional housing. It means apartments and homes that are available to people who are making a certain percentage of the median income. Deed restricted means those properties stay affordable for a, for a, a, a agreed upon period of time. And we have been a leader in the entire state building those apartments and those homes. We're talking about Habitat for Humanity-style housing. We're talking about the core community land trust. And then we're talking about affordable apartments. And we've been doing that work as long as I've been on council and even before. And in the last two years, we have finally gotten a council that is committed to working on our crisis of homelessness. Our unaffordability has also affected the homeless population. We have seen from the data that across the country, cities that have affordability problems see that their homelessness crises are worse than other cities, that cost of housing affects everyone all the way down to folks who are unhoused. And so for the last two years, we have finally, on the Bend City Council, been able to make tremendous strides for this population. And this is so important, Michael, because this affects all of us. Whether you yourself might be facing homelessness right now, whether you've ever been in that situation yourself, Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe you work with someone who is living in an RV right now. We all understand that this crisis is affecting everyone. Our businesses are being affected when folks are camping on the street in front of businesses. There are absolutely problems with garbage building up and some types of crimes. It is true that we do see types of crimes associated with homelessness, but most of those are property crimes. They're almost crimes of survival. It's folks who are trying to find a live electrical outlet to charge their um, cell phone, for example, or, you know, maybe they're literally stealing food or, you know, finding um, cans. We see that a fair amount where they might be helping themselves to someone's recycle bin when the someone has not authorized that. So housing has to be number one for me, Michael. Yeah, I think that um, I'm of the opinion that this council, current council, deserves a lot of credit for really trying to come up with solutions um, 
to a problem that is so large that you can't really solve you can't really solve the whole thing. But you're, I think you all are, are doing a really good job in that regard. And of course, that's why there's so much controversy around it because you're actually trying to take action. There was very little controversy around it when the council wasn't doing anything about it. <laughs> Isn't that true? You, you're exactly right, Michael. And I am so proud to finally have a council where we are unanimous in the belief that whack-a-mole with human lives is unacceptable. We simply are we are doing our very best to just, you know, sweep, trying to sweep people out of the way or, you know, just force them into even more dangerous or uncertain circumstances. We are honestly trying to take a handle on this problem. We have finally gotten a joint office, which is funded by the state, thanks to our excellent representative, Jason Croft, so we have a state-funded joint office with Deschutes County. It is our hope that Deschutes County might finally step up and take on their part of the responsibility for this because it's actually the counties that get funding for temporary and emergency housing. Cities, as I mentioned, our funding comes for permanent types of housing, like those affordable apartments and affordable homes. But it's the county that has access to funding for homelessness and for health care and for specifically mental health care, which is what so many of these folks need help with. So uh, some of the other issues that I know that you've mentioned is uh, one is uh, – Equity, uh, the idea of equitable access uh, for everybody in the community. Can you can you amplify on that idea a bit? Absolutely, Mike. You might remember that I was the person. It might have been seven whole years ago that passed a resolution to have better equity in our own city advisory committee. Until the time when I got elected, there was a line going around with city councilors. And the line was, we can't appoint people who don't apply. And, you know, with that philosophy, the vast majority of people, and I counted up one time, and it was almost three-quarters of the people serving on our own advisory committees and on our own committees where we also participate was almost three-quarters men, three-quarters white men, and most of them were older. So I passed a resolution that only appointing from the pool of applicants we got is not good enough, that we have to do a better job of reaching out into, into the community to get excellent applications in the first place. And so now we reach out to groups like the Latino Community Association and the Fathers Group, uh, in addition to places like the Chamber of Commerce. And if when we think we are ready to appoint a committee, if we look at the names we have selected and realize that we don't have the diversity that we see in our city, then we go back out and we try and find more applications. This has been, for me, Michael, because it's the one thing that we absolutely do have control of. Other parts of equity in our city are not as easy. 
We have also done an excellent job hiring city staff. Our city staff is quite diverse and inclusive, and I'm really proud of that fact. And then our welcoming week. This year's welcoming week was such a joy for me. I think I was literally the first person to read the proclamation to declare City Bend a welcoming city. And that first year, we had an event or two, and the events were things like in a conference room, some of us getting together to have conversations. And this year, the opening event for Welcoming Week, it was just beautiful. It was at the Latino Community Association, and um, where we now have our um, justice um, building. And it was outdoors, there was music, there was dancing, there was food. It was just so uplifting to see how that project, that project of honestly trying to create a more welcoming city, how that has progressed. And in some ways that progress seems so slow, especially thinking this weekend about how it was just a year ago when Barry Washington was killed downtown. And many of us are concerned that that crime was race-related. And trying to build an inclusive community is a more difficult task. We are engaging in conversations with the school district and always with the parks district on this. And we continue to make strides. So what are some of the other issues that uh, that you're focused on? You know, Michael, for me, it really is transportation. And that has a lot to do with the very first I, time I ran for city council. The motivating thing for me was traffic on my own street. I live on a street that there's a hill, there's an elementary school, and there are no sidewalks. And it was my concern about children walking to and from school, pedestrians trying to walk on our street, pets, neighbors, that really motivated me to want to try and make changes in my city. And then beyond that, I got the optimism to run when I heard about neighborhood greenways. Once I learned about those, I was just, so excited about this idea of a way to infill safe infrastructure, safe places for even children and families to be able to walk their bikes or ride their bikes in our city. So that was why I ran. It was very much around transportation. And with that in mind, I started right away on the Metropolitan Planning Organization. And right now I am the chairman of that organization. I've served on the Central Oregon Area Commission for Transportation the entire time I've been on council. And now I'm on two statewide transportation committees and one that is for our region. And I have really seen how we can use transportation, number one, to leverage housing, to help build those affordable affordable units that we need, and then specifically apartments. 
Um, we have such a tremendous opportunity in the Bend Central District and then in the area over by the box factory to actually have some buildings that are maybe six stories high, which in our city seems like a tall building, but really it's just not. But those are the places where we believe we can infill some real density for our city, give people the opportunity to live more affordably right where they might literally be able to walk to work or ride their bike or take transit. And then on transit, I will say, I'm so excited because we're redesigning our transit system to get away from the system we have now where every route goes through our central station on Hawthorne. That puts so much pressure on that station, puts so much pressure on the neighbors, and it adds, it can add 20 minutes or a half an hour to your trip having to make a transfer. So we're going to redesign the system with mobility hubs around the city. And those mobility hubs will be the place where you might park your car and get on a bus or get on a bus and or get off a bus and then be able to rent a bicycle or take your bicycle to the bus and have a place to lock it up in a safe dry storage place. So all of these reasons, transportation has I've really come to see how important that is to all of these things that are so fundamental to people really being able to enjoy the quality of life that is why we all love Ben so much. Are there any other issues that you want to talk about? Um, you know, the one thing I've been working with some folks on are our opportunity zones. Opportunity zones were identified as part of our UGB expansion. And one of those in particular is the COID property. And that property is a big piece of property right on the Deschutes River. And that property is some of the most beautiful and tranquil, um, almost wild space where you can be at the river on the east side of the river and sit in a peaceful spot and watch osprey and bald eagles and maybe see otters and, and beavers in the river and have that kind of experience experience of the river, not just the playground of the river that it is more downtown. And so I have taken an interest in our opportunity zone, in all of them. Are we doing our best to protect the environment in those zones? We have identified them as the opportunity for housing. But I think we need to expand our perspective and because many of these areas, there's opportunity for more than just housing. That COID property, for example, there is the opportunity to give people the relief from density, which is so essential to a happy life for people. You can't expect people to live in a city that is nothing but tall buildings. We've got to have parks and open space and just quiet, tranquil spots to enjoy the river, for example. And that's the kind of, you know, that's why I'm interested in those opportunity zones, 
making sure we, that we really are doing the best for our city with those particular pieces of property. So you recently spoke out um, on the need for gun restrictions in Bend. Can you can you talk a bit about that issue and, and what you uh, think and hope that the council can do? We have decided that we, the city council, will be supporting the ballot measure that is coming before the voters this November, which would put more control in the city's hands. It would also put more responsibility on on the cities, in particular for background checks. But we believe it is so important to have those background checks being done in an excellent manner that we're going to that we are going to say we're supporting that legislation while we are making our case known to the state that they have got to give us support for all of the new programs that might fall upon our police departments. Our police are understaffed as it is right now. The idea of our police having to do background checks that right now are going through the state is a little bit terrifying for us. Um, where we would find the, the additional staff, how we would pay for them, we don't know the answer to that. And then, Michael, the other thing I was interested in our red flag laws. I don't feel, and the chief of police has confirmed this, we believe that we have an opportunity for just educating the public. Oregon has what's called a red flag law, which is a way for a family member, a household member, or a police officer to petition the court to have someone to have weapons removed from a home for the period of a year. So it honors someone's right to due process while also is a pathway for someone who is concerned about a friend or family member or community member. They're worried that person might harm themselves or others. Oregon does have a pathway to be able to at least take those weapons out of the household until the person has had the opportunity to maybe get some help and get to a better place in their life. So the, the ballot measure you, you're speaking of is Measure 114, just so our listeners know that. Um, so so what what sets you apart? What are, what are some of the things that set you apart from um, your opponents in this race? It really is the experience, Michael, and that's why I spend so much time talking about all of these committees and commissions that I served on. You know, it really has been years of working side by side with people from the region, other elected officials, as well as staff. Staff from organizations like Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council and staff from ODOT and staff from Deschutes County, as well as all of their elected officials. I feel like I really do have a really excellent understanding of how, you know, our systems work, how policy is created, how, you know, we have how to set up discussion in order to give us the best chance of getting good policy. 
all of those kinds of things come from experience. And I'm honestly, in all four races, I am the only one that has any more than two years' experience on city council. And I genuinely believe that this year that really is important. So how can people get involved in your campaign? Do you have a website? Thank you for asking. Yes, um, the website is Barb for Bend. That's B A R B four F O R B E N D. And that website has how you can donate if you would like to help out. Um, I'm afraid to say that all campaigns always need help with funding in the United States. Um, and so I could always appreciate that kind of help. And then we'll be doing a lot of canvassing. I genuinely believe in those conversations with people, um, getting out onto the doors, talking with folks, um, maybe passing out some literature in order to give them more information about myself. I can always use help with that. Happy to have people helping um, talk to people. And then the other are things like postcards. If anybody wants to help either write or stamp postcards, and there's a contact form on the website. Anyone can find out how to contact me in order to help on the website. And thank you for mentioning that, Michael. I absolutely could use some help. So I always like to ask my guests uh, if there's anything that I didn't ask you that I should have or if there's anything else that you would like to say to our listeners. Michael, the last thing I would like to say is what a privilege and an honor it has been to serve for two terms. I just love this city. As you mentioned, I first moved here in 1991, and I have seen it change so much. And I still believe that our very biggest problem is that everyone who comes here falls in love and they want to stay. They love this city. We live in a place where everyone else wishes they could live. And that, frankly, is a good problem for us to have. Problems have gotten more difficult over the years, and they are serious considerations for all of us. But I am just so honored to have had folks choose me to be their representative for these last two terms. It really is just really exciting and challenging and so rewarding to be able to help when I'm able to help and plan and build this amazing city. Barb Campbell, thank you so much for joining me here on the Radical Songbook podcast. Thank you. Last thanks goes to you, Michael. You are helping us build an informed electorate, which is essential to any democracy. So thank you, Michael. I appreciate it.